Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in-store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and two-day only deals. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my love Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. It is the third weekly episode of Monsters at Midnight in the glorious month of October. You are listening to the Zima Podcasting Network for your favorite horror-related podcast. Yes, this is your one-stop shop for horror tales, horror news, and real-life stories of the unexplained. I'm your host, your favorite escaped maniac, loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. And I'm joined, of co- as always, of course, by the one and only doctor fresh from the laboratory, Professor Graham Zima. How are you tonight, sir? Splendid as always. And tonight, we have a special guest for you folks. You know him courtesy of the World of Wall podcast. We've got the Wooly Wolfman of the North, <laughs> Will Gilbertson. I did, I, God damn it. How are you tonight, Will? I was going to do a sipping gag and everything, but you fucking... <laughs> Wooly Wolf. Fresh from Ashland, Wisconsin, we've got the Wooly Will Gilbertson. <laughs> And we've got an interesting show for you tonight, because we brought on Will to discuss a couple things. We're going to discuss one of, uh, we're going to start off light a little bit, Uh, discuss something that you and I have a passion for, Graham does too as well, Um, and then we're going to get to the main event of the show. And before we go any further, I hope everyone is having a wonderful October so far for all you students don't sweat. I know that midterms tend to be the scariest thing about this season, but you can do it. You can hang in there, pull through. Uh, to everyone who is going out these next couple of weekends, please drink responsibly, be safe, or don't. I mean, I'm, I know a law officer. That's on you guys. Just make sure to know that you got people around you that care about you, and they have to live with the mistakes that you might bring to them. So... Jeez. How's that for starting off on a fucking downer of a note? Dude, Let's get. To- I wish I was as good at good at um, intro fluff as you, dude. Like I, I fucking fall apart nowadays. But you, you, you slung all that shit like so easy and smooth. That's hey, I. That's why they call me Matt. So let's get to it. Uh, before we get any further, though, uh, always be sure to listen to World of Wall, Live in the Dreamcast, Live in the Dream. Killing the Dream, and new newest edition, Chuckles 5-Minute Reviews. <laughs> Always check out the projects that Graham is popping off the slab at Zima Pro, uh, Podcasting Productions. Let's get to it, boys and girls. Monsters at Motherfucking Midnight Rides for the third time this October. We're going to start off talking about, I feel like, an internet art form that is beginning to die off. 
pardon me. Uh, this was something that was very big when we were in high school. Let's talk about creepy pastas, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to start with Graham. Graham, what has been your experience with creepy pastas? I discovered them in. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm going to try to make sure I know. I'm trying to refresh my memory here as to when exactly I started like actively engaging with creepy pastas. I'd probably say sophomore year of high school was like the first time I became aware of uh, what they were exactly. And I'm going to pause you there for a second. For those of you that do not know what a creepypasta is, the term actually is a play on the phrase copypasta or copypasta, which I think it was supposed to be. Uh, just a story or like a chain letter, anything that is copied and pasted and spread throughout the internet. Creepypastas are horror stories. A lot of them are usually, not always, but a lot of them are told through the lens of this being something that actually happened. Like it's some sort of tale that is a well-kept secret, but it's something that actually happened, and it's the duty of the author to inform the reader. You see it a lot with video games, but you also see it a lot with uh, fictional creatures, such as Slenderman and uh, Jeff the Killer, not a fictional creature, but there, there are, it's like urban legends spread throughout the internet. So continue, Graham. Yeah, so... Um... It would be about sophomore year of high school, and I just remember a distinct, uh, it was either a sleepover or a hangout, one of the two, um, where one of my friends, who was much more internet savvy than I was at the time, uh, and in this case more Reddit savvy, uh, took us through the, the r slash uh, creepypasta, and just we just read a bunch of random ones, um, some definitely more disturbing than others. Um, but the one that really, and we actually talked about this last October, the one that really uh, catapulted me into the world of creepypastas was the the story of her holding the orange, mm. which is one of the most infamous ones. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they it, there was a full-length book that was published about it mm -hmm. um, around the same time, uh, probably 2013. Um but, you know, I've I've done everything from the read-throughs on YouTube where someone's reading it to you, kind of like what, Will, you've been doing on the podcast recently, um, and also just reading them in print form. Um, and like I said, there, I think it's one of those things where uh, there's a range of titles that you can choose, some being on the milder side and then ones that uh, take a little bit of uh, courage to get through, mm -hmm. so to speak. But, uh, yeah. This is sophomore year high school. All right, William, how about you? Um, I, I think it might honestly be around the same time. Um, I'm trying to dig a little deep. I, I think it might have been freshman year of high school. Uh, I, I definitely was late on the train. Uh, it's kind of, kind of embarrassing, honestly, because usually I'm, um, I'm on top of shit like this. Uh, I definitely... There definitely was an air of creepy stuff in uh, middle school for me, but I never really dove into creepypasta specifically in, until probably freshman year. And I think that was kind of spurred on by this uh, kind of reading kick that I had. Um, of, of course, fan fiction uh, I was big into, and the whole creepypasta and fan fiction communities are pretty close. And thank God, too, because... Uh, I think um, 
the fan fiction community has done great on uh, making systems of rating uh, stories and like putting age restrictions and stories mm. and stuff and it's like if you jump into creepy pasta and all of a sudden there's you know, some a few kicks you're not ready for it could be a really big fuck up but um i i don't think i ever got into any that were famously fucked and like crazy and horrifying but i, I definitely did like a lot of entry level like pathetic stuff <laughs> you know basically you go to the creepypasta site and then i read like three random ones you know um and, and stuff like that but the thing about creepypasta is it connects into a lot of other aspects of stuff that i was into like uh gaming uh mm -hmm. that kind of 2012 era kind of turned out so many great weird indie creepypasta games um like slender of course and i i think that's m the mid lion's share of how i am connected to the community i would say so yeah that makes sense i I've actually share a lot of similarities with both of you it's probably like sophomore year or something like that for me when i first uh got into them um and but like the weird interesting thing is I don't necessarily remember how I exactly got into them. I know around that time that's when Slender was really big. There was and Markiplier got to start. So there was a oh, big shit, yeah. huge influx of people on YouTube and uh and elsewhere writing, covering, doing horror related stuff. And it's right around that time that I started getting into horror as a genre in general, like movies and books and what have you. Um, so the sophomore year? Freshman, sophomore year. I started dedicating my time to actually watching horror movies freshman year. Sophomore year is when, like, it became, like, one of my things now, as it is today. Um, I think it's, it's such an interesting thing because, like, I feel like I had to have fallen into it because of Slender because I would, like, watch stuff related to Slender, and that's when you find out more stories connected to it. But the one that I remember probably being the first quote-unquote creepypasta that I heard was Ben Drowned. Oh. And that's, like, that's the one that, like, literally everyone has yeah. heard. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Ben Drowned is a very prolific creepypasta story in the uh, gaming circle mm -hmm. about a boy who finds a used copy of, is it Majora's Mask or is it Ocarina of Time? <laughs> I think it was Ocarina. I, I'm, I'm a little foggy, but yeah, no, it's just like the, the classic cliche right, for yeah. starting any of these gaming stories. No, it's a uh, <laughs> uh, boy finds a used copy of, of Zelda... Legend of Zelda uh, Ocarina of Time uh, with a, a save file that's called Ben Drowned. And it's this corrupted, uh, super weird... And it was accompanied by, like, someone must have... Or the actual footage was uploaded and it was, like, like this corrupted, disturbing, twisted take on the normal gameplay of Zelda, which entails, like... NPCs telling the player that he's done something wrong and being followed by like this the statuette of Link um and like when you and obviously it's not real but when you're when you're young and you first like 
see mm-hmm. something like that, it's like, holy shit, right. what if this is actually real? And that's kind of what got me into it. Sure. The whole, one of the whole things, like I mentioned about creepypastas, is there's this element of secrecy to them. There's this element that the author discovered something that they shouldn't have that they're now brave enough to share with the audience. And that's why there's like the lost episode creepypastas. And so many of them connected to gaming. It's like, it's like, it really begs the question, how many times do I play this game before I discover something that I shouldn't or it Uh, like breaks beyond uh, like (laughs) comprehension? So I think that's, for me, what the appeal was. Uh, I'm going to ask you, gentlemen, what the appeal of creepypastas are to you. Start with Will this time. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I think I'm agreeing. You made me realize a few things about it. Because I, they, I definitely did have an obsession um, pretty much all through the PS2 era, which... Uh, probably middle school and a little bit before. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with glitching games and finding workarounds and stuff. And it must have been some point that I, like, kind of... That might have been how I got into Creepypasta. Not 100%, but... Oh, man. That, I'm just, like... The the thought of, like, finding something I shouldn't in one of these games is just horrifying to think about. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I've definitely uh, went out of my way to, like, change code in games and, like, fuck around with it. And I found some weird shit, but, like, if I ever found something like that in one of those creepypastas, I, I'd... Oof. Oof. <laughs> but I guess uh, looking back... I think the main thing was, like you said, like the childlike innocence of it, of not knowing if that could be real or not. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was the major draw for me back then and why I was so interested in it. And it kind of makes me realize why I'm not as drawn to it as before. Like, I, I think Creepypasta is still really amazing and I think it should be kept up. But I like, I, I found myself wondering, like, why am I not reading it as much as I did back then? And I think that's just one, maybe one of the symptoms why is because there's kind of this, like, nihilistic <laughs> depression uh, in mm-hmm. my brain. <laughs> Sorry, I was no, trying to no. think of a better way to say that. I, I think, like, uh, I'm too cynical, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's what... Becoming an adult is done. Right. Or cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. With that being said, I still, while I've been looking through all of them recently, I still have found a lot of a lot of stories I never found before mm-hmm. and have been enjoying them. All right. So, Graham, what was the initial appeal of Creepypastas for you? Well, I always, like, I used to be huge into books from about kindergarten until about fifth grade or so is when I kind of dipped off and from there on I was much more of a visual mm-hmm. type of person like you know movies obviously and TV um, but there's always been an appeal um, to the the ability of the imagination to create terror within someone mm-hmm. and um, and I almost feel like that's why when <clears throat> well I'll say this that, that's the first or probably the main appeal of them is that I'm allowing to 
create or myself I'm allowed to create the imagery for myself as to how the situation's unfolding um no matter what the context of the story itself but uh and that's why I think when you've seen it on YouTube a lot of people will take those short stories and they will do their own like fan short film of them mm-hmm. and the reason those have never I don't believe connected with the general audience is exactly for the reason that creepypastas work in the first place mm-hmm. which is what I just mentioned the ability to create this, the the visuals in your head mm-hmm. um, through the text, and I think I think that's why those short films just aren't very successful, and it takes away from the magic of them. So there's not been it, it hasn't mattered to me what the story has been about. It's just been about the ability for me to interpret it in the way that I uh, that I so choose. All right, and that's a very excellent point. I think that speaks volumes to. Uh... Both of you make very excellent points. And what Graham said speaks volumes to horror writing as a genre entirely. It's like why Stephen King is still cracking him out of the park. It's why, uh, hell, that's why Frankenstein is still required reading for a lot of high schools. Oh, excuse me. Um, It is very much up to your own perception. The book or the writing... It's only as scary as you want it to be, and like, what are you swearing about? <laughs> the book. So every time you bring a goddamn beer in here, it's yeah, well, Burp City. Of now, us. now everyone knows it's not even a secret anymore. But yes, I am drinking. Uh, it's been a long life. Um, <laughs> no, but as I was saying, that's the reason why a lot of old horror movies are so good, so good too, because they're suggestive, they're implicit. It's why the shower scene in Psycho still holds up. It's why the stabbing in Night of the Living Dead still holds up. You don't see every graphic bit of viscera. You think... I'm a firm believer that the scariest thing in a horror movie is what you think of it. It's why Halloween has not... Yeah, Michael Myers is pure evil, yada, yada, yada. It's the fact that he just stalks Jamie Lee Curtis for no reason other than he can and that's what's so beautiful about horror writing because there's no visual stimulus. It's all in in your mind. You so almost said all in here like it's TV. You can't you guys can't see my fingers. It's all up to you. And I think the other brilliance of it is what will put out. It's like the childlike uh innocence that they try to capture or the loss of innocence. And I think that's what's so brilliant about creepypastas, at least that's what we're so brilliant about creepypastas, is the way they spread. To me, they were always like internet campfire stories. Like, they were like tales that you would hear and then want everyone else to hear. So you would either tell them or show them the video or the page or whatever, what else have you. That's why there's thousands and thousands of readings of various creepypastas lists ranking creepypastas etc etc there is an inherent genius to them in the fact that they're implicit or not necessarily implicit some of them are very grotesque but they're it's like it's all it's all uh literary and the fact that they are easy to spread so um my question right now then and off the topic of the videos that rank them what are some of your favorite creepypastas that you have read? Start with you this time, Graham. Uh, the first one would obviously be the one that I had mentioned before, the, the orange one. 
Uh, I've never felt like I was watching a movie more while listening to one of these things being read to me uh, than than this story. Um, and there's a definite reason why it's one of the most popular ones that has taken on the internet. Um, the second one would be, and I forgive me, I don't remember the title of it off the top of my head, but um, there was a, a story that, to, to summarize it, there was a, a kid who only had access in his old childhood home to about six or so channels. Um, and one of them was like a public access like television uh, network. And from what I recall, the story unfolds in that there's this show that comes on around 3 o'clock every day that is like very, very low budget, kind of eerie in its nature, where it's like there's like these puppets uh, downstairs, and it looks like it's being run out of someone's basement, essentially. And This rings a bell. I can't remember what the title of it is. Either. Yeah, and he becomes an avid fan of the show, and, and somehow or another gets a letter from the the maker of the show and invites him over to a taping of it. And mm-hmm. I, for the life of me, cannot remember how it unfolds from there, but it, it's... It was definitely one of those things that uh, letting the imagination take advantage uh, was it made it all the more scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's not been many that have have. And I don't know. This is not exactly an insult. I think it's more of a fact. Is that it's a lot that they seem to be a lot like uh, horror movies nowadays, where it's it's hard to even distinguish one from the other mm-hmm. I mean it, 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 there's only so many avenues you can take down you know with a horror film or with a with a scary story mm-hmm. you know there's there's only so many avenues avenues that you can take um, you're bound to sound like somebody else who's mm-hmm. coming for you but just once again that's that's also a matter of oversaturation I mean think about how many posts are uploaded to r slash creepypasta every day probably mm-hmm. about thousands um, but so that's why it's hard for me to like pick and choose because some of them really do blend together. But um, those are the those are the two that uh, the ones I mentioned um, that for me, if I was to, to direct somebody who had no idea what creepypastas were, that's what I would direct them to. All right, for you, Will. All right. Uh, so so I would say um, we already kind of talked about it, but um, Ben Drowned was definitely up there for me just because it made a connection to a franchise that I really liked and that was the draw for uh, fan fiction for me to begin with you know so with creepypasta it was definitely that degree of familiarity in something that I really liked but a really dark and creepy edge to it that made me uncomfortable and made me worried and stuff and at the same time I was really interested in it and like oh what if I got to play this game? <laughs> I, I mean okay that would have been bad if I got to play the game but the thought of it's so cool this uh twisted take on something I really liked um but yeah, I, I would say definitely I tend towards creepypastas down that vein. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. that It was just in my head. Um, but a lot of creepypastas that work with uh, helplessness, like uh, I think our friend Jabari has talked about it some. 
a few times, but the sleep paralysis thing. Oh, like, yeah. You can't move, but you know what's happening, and there's, like, shadow creatures, you know? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Really interesting, like, helplessness. Like, you can't say, like, oh, well, I would have done this. It's like, no, literally can't move, can't do anything. Right, yeah. No, it's very interesting. Um, Yeah, I guess a couple of my favorites. Well, first off, I'm going to start by saying a blanket term. I love a lot of video game-related creepypastas. Especially, like, because I'm a sucker, because, again, I'm a sucker for a good visual. A lot of video game creepypastas have, like, real footage attached to them. Mm-hmm. Whether And there's actually a lot of modded ROMs for these old games that exist that you can play. Mm-hmm. Like, I forget what it's called, but there's one for, Mar- like, Super Mario World, I want to say, on the Super Nintendo. Um, I think it's just called Mario. Yeah, Mario.exe, right? I think it's just called Mario because there's okay. Sonic.exe. Yeah, that's That's the, one, the other one I was thinking of. And, of course, Ben Drowned. But a couple of my favorites. My favorite, that one that's always stuck with me is one called Funny Mouth. And it has nothing to do with games. I just showed Will this the other oh, day. Yeah. It's uh, called Funny Mouth. It's about a guy who meets an interesting person in a chat room. I'm going to leave it at that. Look it up, whether you read it or listen to it. It's it's a good one. Yeah, and I think that's another thing that draws a lot of people is stories that incorporate um, stuff on the internet. Yeah. Because nowadays when we have explored a lot of the natural world, uh, of course there's some corners that we haven't reached, but one of the biggest mysteries and biggest wild regions that we have is the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so vast that not no one person could know every single part of it. True. And the fear that something dark is hiding somewhere in it that we might stumble upon at any second is horrifying. That is very true. Yeah. Um, in a similar vein, one of my favorites... Even though it's not technically one of the best, one of my favorites has always been Squidward's Suicide. Because it's always like, uh, for those, and that to summarize that, it's about an intern at Nickelodeon that sees a rough edit of the newest uh, SpongeBob episode that does not go quite down the alleyway that would be okay for TV. Um, I think it's just there's a perverse, like, like dark twisted side of me that just really enjoys seeing things that i'm so attached to like i love spongebob i don't even say loved i love spongebob seeing shit like that get fucked up is kind of funny (laughs) to me um that's the same reason why i love that theory about the rugrats uh we're like oh uh, they're all a hallucination yeah with with that too i'd like to mention dipper goes to taco bell if anyone wants something truly fucked check that out gravity falls oh okay Yeah, yeah um and then there was one last one Oh, my last one was actually, I don't know if it was technically a creepypasta, but it was a story that a guy published in segments on Reddit that he adapted into a novel called Pen Pal, which is all about a boy who, at a very young age, in his kindergarten class, they sent off letters attached to balloons in their neighborhood to get a random pen pal in the neighborhood and learn, or like in, in, from like the area to figure out where 
they come like learn about community etc etc it's like a learning exercise and this voice pen pal is not really someone that you want writing back i read the entire novel uh i got it through google play and though it's prose wise it's not without its faults it's one of the most haunting stories i've ever read and i highly recommend it it'd be a great read for anyone who's into horror novels this time of year um i can't think of the author's name but if you search pen pal on google play or on amazon i'm sure you'll find it uh it is a dark book and it just it really makes you it makes you reflect on your own childhood and think about just all the things that happened to you when you're a kid and then in turn to see it through a parent's lens to realize like that when you're a parent one of the most frightening things ever is like anything happening to your kid and i think that's the inherent brilliance of that novel is it makes you see it through t- two lenses like yourself as a kid and as someone who would want to protect that kid highly recommend it if you find it on reddit or if you find the novel definitely check it out um i can't speak for certain but i've noticed in the past couple years the art of creepypastas have kind of dipped off maybe it's because i personally haven't been paying attention as much anymore or maybe it's actually just a fad that's going by the wayside either way why do you guys think that creepypastas aren't as big as they were back in 2012, like when we were talking about? I, I think, um, well, uh, you can compare it kind of to the video game crash. Mm. Um, I think creepypasta was founded on anyone can write a story and make it creepy. And I think it got to the point where there was so much shovel creepypasta mm-hmm. That it's shit just, pastas. Shit pa- okay, okay, <laughs> shit pastas, and it just kind of hit a dip down after mm-hmm. that. And plus, you had IPs such as Slender raising the bar considerably. Mm-hmm. That kind of spurred other people to think, oh, well, it's a lot more work to make it than make it, you know, alluring and like seem like this big thing, mm-hmm. you know, like. Um, I, I guess the best example I could bring up that's kind of keeping tr- the tradition alive is Petscop. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've looked a lot into Check that, that out, too. It's amazing. Yeah, check that out. Petscop on YouTube. There's rumors that there's going to be an update within the next month, I think okay. it was. Uh, November 23rd, I think, maybe. Um, but basically, it was... Uh, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but... It's just this whole fake game that this... Sorry. That's not true. That's a fan theory. Um, This guy finds a game and plays through it, and a bunch of creepy stuff that can't be explained happens. And it all ties back... You need, you really need to read into it because I don't want to yeah. give anything away. But like the events in the game tie back to an actual horrific thing that happened in God, yeah. pretty recent... Actually, not that recent history. But it's something... That it ties back too like closely for it to be a coincidence that it must be inspired by this event that happened. So yeah, yeah. if you want a uh, game theory, did a video on it, but I would suggest highly going to the Petscop channel and 
watching it yourself. I think it's a unique experience, and it's an example of Creepypasta having the bar raised to a new standard, because whoever... um, Okay, okay. If someone artificially made this whole Petscop situation, there was a massive amount of work that went into it, uh, staging the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I think um, there's a lot of... uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, to make creepy situations now, a lot people are, a lot of people are going the extra mile and setting up, staging this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think to be impressive as a creepy pasta, people need to go above and beyond to give that sense of immersion that a good story with good pacing has. Um, so, yeah. yeah. To, to no, I, I agree. What do you th- what do you think, Graham, about this per- potential dip in creepypasta popularity? It's a clear example of what I addressed earlier, which is oversaturation. I think you're bound to see the quality go down when so many people are writing things on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's just a fact. Like the more people that are are writing, like I said before, I think I think the more chance you have of having not as good material. Um, it's like what we talk about with movies nowadays, now that everybody can afford usually a camera um, and the basic necessities in terms of equipment to to produce a film, the more people are going to produce films, therefore the need isn't nearly as much or uh, you know, the amount that each movie gets in terms of viewership and and ratings is, is, is bound to dip, it's it's just because there's so much out there, mm-hmm. um, and, and and when I, so Will's just not gonna overshit all the guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the yeah, but they yeah, it's just it's too many people have have the capability to write it. I mean, it, it honestly, mm-hmm. if they uh, if they really want to, they can crank one out in five minutes if they're an unoriginal. Mm-hmm. Hack and make. I wrote a creepy pasta. So yeah, I was gonna say if you, if you if you can write it, you can write it in five minutes post, and there it is for the, all the web to see. And the right. more that adds up, the, the 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 more it looks like shit. Basically, when you go onto the right. to the page, um, and that's why it's so hard. I go on to the. I'll, I'll occasionally go on uh, to the, the creepy pasta Reddit, and I'm just. It's like a flood. There's just too much stuff to dig through. It's like, mm. where do I even begin? All the titles sound the same. Yeah. You know? And it's just, it, it, it becomes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm not in, I agree with you, Will, to an extent on the, the bar has been raised. Yep. Um, I think, I think it's a combination of both of those right. elements that are, that are, it's just, uh, they're, they're bound to create a disaster. Um, but, I wouldn't say even. I wouldn't say that the fad has been lost at all, really. Um, I think the creepy pastas, because they're exactly what we were talking about earlier um, as well, which is they're they're basically campfire stories on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, stories are going to be told to the end of time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think creepy pastas are going to go away, but that doesn't mean that the, the quality is 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 ever going to reach what it was initially. Mm-hmm. Um, it may happen. Who knows? Right. But, no, I agree with that. Um, uh, I agree with both of you. I don't have much to add. The one thing I will say is uh, something I've, I'll always said is it, internet years are like 40 years. It's like a dog. 
like one year on the internet is like 40 because everyone's clicking on it everyone's sharing it everyone's seeing it that's why that's why fucking friday call me maybe all those things be blew up for a minute and then like who gives a shit about rebecca black or carly ray Jep- jepson honestly anymore. oh yeah and there's a lot of studies on this um i believe uh, the group of friends i hang out with calls it the kind of meme turnover rate and if you look at the Google search history, you'll notice that any sort of meme has a height over a long distance of time uh, during the beginning of the internet where stuff was starting to get popular. But nowadays, there's memes that will just turn over in a week yep. on Google search. Yeah, I'm sure less And it's than just that, how the time yeah. is going. No, and that's... I feel like creepypastas were just subjected to that. Like we've been saying, everyone was doing them. Everyone was writing them. Everyone was covering them, ranking them, reading them. It just, it blew up. Oversaturation. I, it's just, it happens. It happens with everything on the internet. It comes with the territory. And I'm glad you brought up Petscop, though, because when I first heard about Petscop, I felt the exact same way I felt when I first found out about Ben Drown. Yes. So I still, I agree with you as well, Graham. I don't think they're ever going to go away. I just think everyone needs to cool off for a while. So, moving on to our biggest topic of the night. As much as I love shooting the shit about creepypastas and the internet with my boy Will, we brought Will on because he has become the real-life author of his own creepypasta. (laughs) Will, why don't you tell the audience about the weird-ass hard drive you found in Goodwill? (laughs) Well, I'd love to paste this story out and give it a format true to creepypasta, but I'll try to minimize it. Um, I don't know if I should be telling you what I'm telling. <laughs> I shouldn't have seen what I saw. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know truly if I should be telling people. <laughs> damn it, I'm doing exactly what you're joking about. But realistically, I do not know if I should be telling people this. Specific, specifically people in the Milwaukee area. It's okay, the entire internet's listening, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I'd like to be optimistic. Uh not making this readily available. Uh, sorry, I lost track of my So mind. just uh, anyway. do the bare basics. Spare names, spare dates. Yes. Uh, just let them know. Okay, me and my friend found a hard drive at Goodwill. We had a normal day. Uh, we actually got distracted because it didn't come with a wire for it to plug in. Um, it's an older hard drive from around uh, 2011. Um, but basically, later in the night, uh, we said goodbye, headed our separate ways, and I went home. And, you know, I was getting cozy, all comfortable. And I was like, okay, well, I checked out all my other stuff from Goodwill. Might as well check out this hard drive now. It was around 120 gigabytes. Um, so I plugged it in, you know, got the power into it and whatnot. And I realized... Oh, this shit is full of stuff. Oh my god. So, right away I click on the first video I see. You know, I wasn't quite sure what it was. I start doing this sort of like uh, Snapchat thing, so a lot of people saw that. Um, it was but, like watching a creepypasta unfold, the more I think about like, it. It I was wa- a weird experience. Like, I was just doing that as a joke, and then I honestly got overwhelmed because of how fucking creeped out I was. Because I did not think it would be this noteworthy. I thought it was just another stupid wall story. Like, oh, <laughs> Wall made his 
Rosie Rivets jerk off yeah. uh, Hulk Hogan. Um, but no, I, I open up the, the first file I see, and it's pointed towards a window. Um, and in the window, there is a woman just walking around. Um, and I realized that the file was an hour long, and this was a camera set in front of this woman's, outside this woman's window, recording her. From a neighboring window. Yes, which I found out later. Uh, there's tons of information because I, uh, I called my friend back over because I was freaked the fuck out. Like, I didn't want to go through this alone. I felt like someone was going to walk into my door and, like, fucking stab me like a creepypasta would go, you know? Right. Um, so, you shouldn't have done that, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually did record our reactions that whole night just because I was scared, you know, security footage just in case I get stabbed or something. <laughs> um, so we went through about half of the footage. Uh, it was before our party, so we didn't want to go through all of it. Plus, he was getting a little drained. And basically, this man uh, named Bill went around the Milwaukee area, specifically the Oakland and UWM uh, kind of area, and this this was around 2008 to 2012, I think. It, it's been a while since I've looked through the files for good reason. But he went around and recorded women with his phone. Um, and it's not like, oh, he's just walking around filming the city. It's, it's obviously he is aiming... Because uh, Graham and I have both seen the footage as well, some of it. And it's obvious that he is filming people, not, like, scenery. Yeah, um, in some instances, he's driving down on the street, and he'll flick his phone over to someone that he's passing, and the file will only be 10 seconds long, obviously, for uh, to capture that person. Uh, there's some where he's just parked in the local Goodwill on Oakland. I mean, um, Walgreens on Oakland, uh, where he just kind of sticks his... Phone out the window real quick and captures a girl about to walk into the store. Um, it's fucked to say the least, but I think the worst of it gets uh, later in his quote-unquote career when he gets the balls to actually go into Sandberg Residence Hall at UWM. Um, this was eerie for me since I've spent so much time there living there, in fact, working there as well, and seeing seeing this unfold where he plans it out and goes in during move-in week when anyone can come into the building and not be carded. He walks right in with his phone recording every girl he sees. And at one point, he even waits by an elevator, sets down his phone, and records this girl for, like, 30 seconds straight, just talking to her friend. It's fucking eerie and creepy. It is incredibly unsettling. And you mentioned, like, it hits close to home being that you live in Sandberg. God, yeah. Or it's you like... did live in Sandberg. But, like, just that so much of it took place around... Oakland and Walgreens, all those locations that we know so well, it really, it really hits that like this 
was on our territory. This could happen yeah. anytime, anywhere. And it bothers me because we've all heard shit like this happening, but we've never heard it like here, you know, that changes it. It makes it real. You know, we see wars happen overseas and we don't really think too hard into it because it's not here. But this guy was recording videos here outside our home. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little antsy about it. It's... Um, it's a uncomfortable thing. But, Very uncomfortable. Um, another one of the details I found after digging uh, the next day, I uh, found a video. It's maybe a few hours of him on a date with his girlfriend for the entirety of a Friday. Um, he must have had the day off. Uh, he worked as a dishwa- dishwasher, in fact, um, there's a video of him recording one of his co-workers, of course, and um, I'm guessing that because he was in his uniform while recording people on Oakland that it was a restaurant on Oakland, uh, somewhere in that vicinity at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this date with his girlfriend, he just kind of keeps the phone in his pocket. It's like, uh, it, it just bothers me because it reminds you that he does this and spends time with her without her knowing at all. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this guy held down a relationship, lived with this woman, and she had no idea, just... Oh, it's scary! Or she knew and didn't care, which is equally That's the thing, though. He lied. He, um... At one point, um... Bill gets yelled at. They both get into a fight when they get home, and he says, well... You forgot to get that at Walgreens, so now I'm gonna have to go back and get it. Thanks a lot. And like, since they were in a fight, he knew that she wouldn't try to come with him. And he's like, "Are you gonna come with or not?" Right. So then he goes, leaving her at home. She had mentioned earlier that she wanted to like just watch The Office and smoke some weed, but he was like, "No." And that same night, he goes to Sandberg. That whole night. And just walks in and out of the lobby of Sandberg, recording everyone coming in and coming out. And it's fucked. Because that just... It just makes it so weird. I... Yeah. That this guy, like, purposely went out of his way to, like, avoid... I don't know. Anyway, um... I should mention that I did turn the hard drive into the police. I realized that wouldn't do anything, but it felt like the right thing to do. It is a good thing to do. Um, Like, excuse me. Um, I, being the footage is so old, I realistically understand there may not be a whole lot they can do by way of finding him. That being said, I think you did the right thing turning it over. And it's just fucking insane that you just happen to find this shit. Like me, my friends and I found a used DVD at Goodwill once that was just full of photos that these girls took, like, on a girl's day out. Like, professional photography. Not anywhere near the level of insanity that you have stumbled upon. So... How about, how, what time are we at for the episode, Graham? We have 46 minutes. We're at 46 minutes. Well, 
I, I don't know. I, I should also mention that at one point, there is a video of him looking straight at the camera and making kind of a smirk. Right at the camera, only three seconds, but he looks straight at the camera and smirks on that. Is that the face. same one that has the, the boarded up windows then? Yeah. And they're like, they're covered <laughs> up with towels and yeah. shit, yeah. So he, the, that, Bill's face just fucking haunts me. I, I don't know. And now I'm just worried that whenever I'm walking around Milwaukee, I'm just going to see him and I, I honestly don't know what I would do. Some, well, well, let's end on a positive note. Yeah, sorry, because sorry, no, it's yeah. fine. You, it's a it's monsters at midnight. It's October. We're in the mood to get scary. the The real world is the scariest thing, scarier than any horror movie. We got shootings for no reason in Vegas. We got a Trump, a Trump, a president hell bent on nuclear war. Fucking look out your windows, people, and that's the horror story. Whatever you're watching this Halloween is going to be awesome, but it's Pulp Fiction. It's not what is going on outside. And the fuck? Spooks. No. Um, that being said, it's very unlikely you'll see him again. Because if the I refuse to believe that the hard drive was relinquished willingly by him. That's not... That's not a move that people that do things like that do. It's like Ed Gein wouldn't turn over like the skins of people that he took. This guy wouldn't just turn over this hard drive. This guy is either miles away or deceased. So I think everyone in here is fine. I'm going to caution everyone out there though. Like I began at the beginning of the episode, always be safe, always be mindful, whether it's, just out on the streets at night, just whatever you're doing. Always be mindful of your surroundings. I'm not saying that the world is inherently evil, but evil shit happens. And I want everyone to be careful. Because at Zima Podcasting Productions and Monsters of Midnight, we all love each other. But we're also metal as fuck. Because it's Halloween, this is the greatest time of year. I had an awesome time with you guys tonight. Will, thank you so much for coming on tonight, sharing spooky shit with us. Graham, always a pleasure. Until next weekend, folks, we return to our crypts, waiting for the sun to dip back down below the horizon so we can terrorize the night. Have a groovy evening. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in-store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in-stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in-stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420. In-stores only. Excludes in-store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and two-day only deals.